morning, brothers and sisters. Will you please stand up for the reading of the scriptures? We'll be reading from the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapters 11 to 24. In the Red Bible, it would be page 740 on your Red Bible. Again, that's Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out, of a, out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. May the Lord add special blessings to the reading of his word. Please be seated. Really on who you ask. If 
if you ask mom, she might think it means foundation, moradable, admirable, 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 talented, helpful, encouraging, and remarkable. If you ask Dad what he thinks it means, he might think it means funny, amusing, tough guy, hilarious, entertaining, and quiet. He thinks he's pretty funny sometimes, but his jokes are really bad. This is what I think father means. He's my friend. He's awesome. He teaches me stuff. He's like a superhero. He's exciting. And he wrestles with me. Does wrestle begin with R? How about? He's really the best dad in the world. Is that okay? Happy Father's Day! Well, that was sweet. There's so many fun things around Father's Day, and we're going to enjoy those as we, as we gather in our families. One of the things I wanted to make sure that we were very aware of, however, is that there are models in Scripture for fathers, and it should be the template that we use. A passage that, that Joe read that is probably the most uh, preached on during this particular season, and I want to look at it just a little bit differently. I want to take a look at it uh, as a little bit more from the father's perspective than the son's, because typically this would be the son returning home story, and it is. But there's something about that father that's significant. Now, there are fewer and fewer models of fathers that we can all uh, choose to emulate. In some communities, there is a 75% absentee rate among fathers in homes, that high in the middle of the city. Uh, One of my teachers came to me in one of my classes, and she's doing a master's in theology, and she's a public school teacher, and she said, during the parent uh, council, during the parent evaluation time of the students, in her class, 50% of the parents that came were grandparents raising their grandchildren. So family systems are changing. I'm in the process of writing a chapter for an academic book on a theology of grandparenting and other family systems. And as we've already started to think about this and develop some of these thoughts, we've recognized that the traditional family has broken down. Uh, it's, It's a serious question. And what we're attempting to do in that chapter is look at scripture and its teaching as to where it where we fit in even when part of the family system breaks down who's to step up and what would God have us do as uncles aunts cousins grandparents and so on so that's part of what I'm doing with that and if you have any ideas on that let me know two verses I think in that particular passage that I just want us to focus on 
seventh verse and the tenth verse, and this really is our theme. The seventh verse says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not repent. See, Jesus' point was returning to him. That tenth verse says it similarly. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So in our story, it starts out describing a family and very quickly moves into dissonance, into conflict, into absence, into strife. I've often thought about how strifeful sometimes families are in the walls of our addresses, what goes on. I am not unaware of those things. I thought about bringing my flak vest that I wear when I ride along with the police department because sometimes when you enter your home, you feel like you ought to have a bulletproof vest on. Or sometimes, for some of you that are there, you think you ought to have it on for what's going to come through the door. I've observed all this as pastor, as youth pastor. And you know what else? I've also observed it, unfortunately, over and over again as a police officer. And what I've seen is behind those doors, it's not all love and joy and hugs and everybody's okay. There's some great conflict. And so our story is relevant to that. And as we take a look at it, we a family. And it was a religious family. It was a working family. And uh, this young man had been raised in the religious uh, system of Judaism of the day and with a love for Israel and a worship in synagogue. He knew the promises of God. He had memorized them by his 12th birthday. But his heart was hardening. And in that 11th verse, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. Simple little verse. Boy, in the context of that day, to ask your father for something like that would be fine. His two sons were loved by this father and this family, but in that setting, this son asks his father something. He says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. And he was the younger son. This was highly irregular. This was not done. Because, not because of the dollars. Frankly, because if you said to your father, I want my inheritance now, what you're saying is, Father, you're as good as dead. And you could not be more rebellious or show more disrespect to your parent than to call them dead. That would be the seriousness of it. In the culture of the day that Scripture is written in, it's usually more Asian than it is certainly American. And the shame culture was there, and he shamed his father, and he shamed his family by even asking that question. The book of Deuteronomy had given some guidelines of how to raise children. This is a fast, fascinating passage. It's in the 21st chapter of Deuteronomy, the 18th verse, and on it says this. If a man has a stubborn and a rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother, I'm so glad it said son, does not obey his father and mother, and will not listen to them when they discipline him. Hmm. I remember what my dad did. His father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate, the church leaders, the elders of the town. 20th verse says, And they to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He'll not obey us. Sounds like family court, doesn't it? 
He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town shall send him home and say, Son, do better next time. Or, would you mind cleaning up the streets a little bit of some paper? We'll give you one of those orange bags. No, it says, they shall stone him to death. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, I did a little research, and I didn't find anywhere uh, where any dad or anybody, town people, stoned a son. But that's harsh, but the issue is harsh. And uh, I think it probably uh, was a good deterrent to have that memorized by boys and girls and men and women. I think the juvenile delinquency rate was very low in that community. There probably were no um, probation officers and probably very few police officers, if at all. So in our story, the father could have responded with that perspective, but he didn't. I hope we can see the principles here, and it comes out of a book that I was called The Dad in the Mirror. I really recommend this. The Dad in the Mirror. And here's what that suggests in that book. It suggests that we don't father for performance. We do not father for performance, but we father from the heart. Father from the heart. We live in a culture of every kind of family system you can imagine. And uh, in those family systems, it's, it's so strange and contrived. And yet God has a theology for the family. He has a plan. In our passage, our rebellious son, he was disobedient. He rebelled not only against his father, but against God and his family. His family name. And in that rebellion, in that home, there was strife and conflict and pain. I cannot tell you, if you have not experienced this, but you will. The pain of that kind of dissonance in the home, the pain of a son or a daughter that has left your leadership for a period of time, that kind of pain is almost uh, unbearable. And as pastor, I see it. As parent, I've seen it, and now as grandparent, I don't want to see it again. So here we are. The most difficult years to navigate through are those years when that child becomes an adult and makes his or her own decisions. And boy, it's a time of release. Now, in our passage, this family has two sons, the younger one and the older one, and um, two kids. How could they be so different? They all came out of the same basket. How is that? you got two kids, one's like this, and one's like this. You have four kids, one's like this, one's like this, one's like this, one's like this. If any of you have six kids, just keep going on. The math is amazing. And how so different they can be. And in the midst of all of that, you are the parent to give them guidance and to lead them along the way. The younger son was probably no more than 18 or so, and uh, probably unmarried. And so the story continues. 13th verse. Not long after that, the young got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he went. He went down to Balboa. He had the bucks rented the yacht. 
brought the booze, brought the girls, brought the guys, and everybody partied until they couldn't party anymore. Finally, there was the bill to be paid, and they all left. And he was alone. In that period of time, which we do not know, have any idea in the parable what was intended, but certainly a period of time of reflection, he spent that time in thinking. That after he spent everything he had, he began to be in need. He found himself in a famine, not unlike the great days of poverty in the depression of this country. Oh, it's not like a recession. It was a famine. And the Jews believe that most of the time when a famine came, it was the judgment of God on that culture. So thinking about that, here it comes, a famine. And he couldn't even find work. The message translation gives us the 15th verse. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. He just ate the mush, the mess. I've, uh, I, I love animals, and I like to go to the barns at the fair, don't you? And they go over to the pigs, and there is something about walking into a pig barn. There's just something about that place that is a little different than the other animals. They have a unique cologne that only a pig can give off. And this Jewish boy to the horrible pig was a servant to the lowest of animals in the, in the Jewish religion. This was a horrible thing. At the story, Jewish hearers think that the story is over. Yes, and he got what, he's got what he deserved, and that's the end of it. But Jesus continued. Does At that point in the Jewish family, there would be no more son. That father would only have one. But the 17th verse continues. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three squares a day or three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. Father was a man of means. He was a wise man. He had plenty even during the famine. What does this mean, that he came to his senses? This refers back to his training. This refers back to the commandments. This refers back to that little bit of scripture that might have still been around his wrist that he forgot to take off. And he could never take out the word that was in his mind and had been embedded in his heart. So in the midst of that, he remembered The proverb says it this way, point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't be lost. It's a a principle, and I found this to be true over and over and over and over again, that children return to their faith. It's an exciting time. It is, as Jesus said, the most important thing that happens, and heaven itself explodes with a huge party far more than it does just the faithful. Because there's something about rescuing one who was absolutely lost that has been found again. And God puts a high value on that. The promise is how Lindy and I, how we, 
how we parented Kimmy and, and Debbie and how we now influence our son-in-law and our granddaughters. And the story doesn't suggest how long it would be, but it does suggest there would be a return. The 18th says it this way, I'll set out and go back to my father, and here's what I'm going to tell him. Now, this kid has got this thing figured out, and he's memorizing it, so, so get a hold of this. This kid's been to Awanas. He had it all memorized. He says, okay, I know my heart is broken. I'm sincerely sorry. I've got to come up with the words. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I really have. Oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. I've got to say this, though. I've got to say, I've sinned against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hirelings. Okay, okay, I, I'm going home. And in all those dirty, nasty clothes and all that he takes off towards home. And this is a contrast to the older brother. Because later in the story, Jesus tells brother, the one who held contempt for his younger one in that 25th verse and on. The difference that Jesus is pointing out is simply this, that there is one son who was repentant, sorry, humbled, broken, desiring to approach his father, and there's one that stood there in self-righteousness with his privileges, not broken. Here's the father's response, 20th verse. And the boy got up, but while he was still a long way off, this is very important, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son started his speech, but father had stopped the speech. The son started, father, I've sinned against heaven and and, and earth, and I'm not. And then the father already knew. His arms were around him. He was kissing him. He called for the best robe he had. He called for the signet ring that would be placed upon the finger that said, you are a part of the family. He then ordered that the best calf in the field, the calf, the best meat you could eat, the tender meat, that it be slaughtered and the whole village come because one that was lost is now found. My son has returned. And the party began. And the kid couldn't even get his repentance out. His father heard his heart far more than any words. That's true repentance. And God knows our hearts. They're sobbing, and Dad had run down the path after his son, and stately men of means in those days, you didn't run down the path and lift your robe to go find somebody. They came to you. They knelt before you, and this father's heart was broken. The day of restoration had occurred. 23rd verse talks about the party that they had, and that reflects back to the earliest verses that I read to you in the 7th and 10th verses about the joy of the Lord when one returns. Here's your fill-ins, and they're quick. First fill-in, father as intercessor for his family. Dads, we are intercessors for our children and our families. It's 1 Timothy 2. I urge then, 
first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. This is what the Lord would have us do. I remember listening. My father, one time I was riding my bicycle on an early Saturday morning over in General Motors in Southgate. The lot was empty. They were not doing a, there was not a shift on that day. There was a car out in the middle of the parking lot. It was a huge parking lot for hundreds of cars, and it was just that old Nash, my dad's old Nash. And I rode my bicycle up there, and my dad was in the front seat, had his Bible open, and he was praying. He was interceding. Found him where he didn't think he could be found, and he was interceding. Wow. A picture I will never forget as long as I live of a father who modeled for me what is good dad. So that's the first feeling. The second feeling is this. A father loves his children equally. That comes out of that 23rd, uh, 31st first verse. And in the 31st verse, it said that he responded to his old, the older son, the rebellious son, that, son, I love you too. He didn't love them differently. They responded differently. That's, the, that's one of the key points, I think, in this passage. When he said, son, he's with me. I was yours. You're my son. The proverb says, in 23rd Proverb 24th verse says, the father of a righteous man has great joy. So a father must move from fathering for performance to fathering the heart. Well, there are great passages, there's great additional parts. I think as we look at that, I want to end with a story. And here's the story. It's one of the most moving that I... Uh, illustrations that I know about, and I, I don't know if it's actually true, but it is quoted uh, by, from uh, Ernest Hemingway. There's a father in Europe, in Spain, and he'd lost his son, and the son had been the story of the one that we've read about this morning. He had left the home, and dad's heart was broken, and the family wasn't the same. Where is he? Oh, if we could just have our son back. Oh, I my son. But he had no way of finding him. We didn't have all the technology that, that we have today then. And so he decided to do something quite special. He said, I'm going to put an ad in the paper and tell my son that I will be by in the newspaper or in front of the newspaper office at 12 o'clock noon on a certain day. I'll be waiting for him. And so the father put an ad in the paper and it read this. Dear pocket Meet me office at noon. All is your father. Next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, 800 Pacos showed up. You see, we all want to be loved by our father. We all want to be in the family. Let me just pray with you. Thank you, Jesus, for telling us that parable, that story that reminds us of your love for us. The condition is simply that we respond with our heart. And in that condition, you already hear before it becomes words. And for each of us here today that may have wandered from your love and from your grace and and gone down a path or a road that... This is different from the one that we know to be true. This story tells us that if in our heart we repent and we're sorry, that you will hear that. 
And we will simply be joined together with you in that very act of repentance and purpose in our heart that we'll come to the family. And so if that be the case for anyone here, I ask and I challenge you. You, my friend, you would return. And if you would, we'd say, listen, I'm just going to come back to Jesus. I'm, I've been away, and I'm coming back. And I'll pray for you this week in a special way. Would you just lift your hand? Just say, I, I'm coming back. Thank you. Yeah. Just, I'm coming back. I'm running back down that path. He doesn't even see me yet, but I'm on my way. I got my Adidas on, and I could not run any faster. I'm returning. Just another chance. Anybody else? Just a moment. Dads, we want to be that kind of dad, don't we? Dads of the heart. Not testing performance, but of the heart. Father, we pray and we thank you for each one here, and especially dads. Honor us as we raise, as we teach, as we instruct, and as we walk. May our lives be one of love for our children, for our families, for our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen.